0: If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters, spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional
1: dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more.
0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of discover more in this week's episode. We will be synthesizing our collective experience from the past few years of modern dating. We both recognize the importance that relationships have played in our lives, both when we were single. And now that we have long term girlfriends that have profound and lasting impact on us. We compiled all of our experiences into five C's in respective order chemistry, compatibility, Comfortability, Commitment, and Communication. We believe that these C's are fundamental to all romantic relationships, and we hope that they simplify the complexities of modern dating. Thanks for listening. So the first C, we define it as chemistry, or known as nature, which is the genetic factor. It is the initial spark between the two people. So it's like the first impression when you meet another person on the first date, When you see that attractive male or female walking down the street, it's that butterfly feeling that you get. It's a spark that you get. And I think from our experiences and from our research, it shows that I think many people have mistaken this feeling, sometimes falsely, for love at first sight. We both view chemistry as it's like building a house on a quicksand. It's very fast and it's sexy, but it's not always sustainable. And it may be more misleading than our second C, compatibility. So chemistry, in contrast, it's more short-term orientated. So it could come very quickly based on the level of genetics, the level of attractiveness, the level of physiological attraction that's given, but also can fade very quickly, accordingly so. However, it also can be grown. And based on the level of compatibility, it will eventually lead to an increase in chemistry. It is the idea that one's first impression changes over time. If you were to look back in your lives, maybe it's your current girlfriends, maybe it's your ex, maybe it's that person you used to be friends with, you can't really quite recall the first impression, right? The first time you met that person, the first time you met the significant other because first impression improves and they fade and it's your collective and accumulation of impressions and their experiences and your interactions with them eventually solidify what your perception of what that person is in their minds and that's what we mean by first impression changes over time it is not fixated nor it is permanent
1: yeah so i think chemistry really boils down to lust that a lot of people talk about kind of that initial first attraction with a person you can often see it in the first five seconds of when you sit down with a person. Yes, it can grow over time as Ben talked about, but there is definitely that initial attraction. Uh, when you sit down, say on a first bumble date or something like that, you get across the person you can easily tell, am I physically attracted to that person? So we kind of started with this because it is the first thing that you do notice and often almost a initial starting point for the possibility for the rest of the Cs. However, We believe that there's almost a overemphasis on chemistry in today's modern dating. Uh, Typically, there's that desire for the hottest girlfriend or the disproportionate emphasis on someone's physical characteristics. I've personally heard a lot of people referencing, oh, I'm dating her because she's hot. I don't love spending time with her, which is a shallow and superficial thing to say about someone. But I think it really speaks to the modern dating era that we're in. It's kind of a fixation on the physical attributes, who that can, who can take great pictures with you or who your friends might be jealous of because they're so attractive. So really chemistry boils down to that initial spark that may grow, but we've found that it can often lead to superficial judgments or false readings on a person. So Ben, I'd like to kind of hear your experience. Now that we've laid out the content on what chemistry is, but how has that interaction really affected your relationships or what you were looking for in a partner?
0: Yeah, before to answer that question, Aiden, that is an excellent point that you brought up. Chemistry is often directly correlated with lust. I mean, when you look at my experiences, right, go back to your question and my superficiality in the past, my lack of emotional commitments, because it's like the idea of the choice paradox, right? I mean, why is Tinder evaluated a billion dollars? Why did it lead to the rise of social dating, social app dating? It is because of the attribution of physicality, right? With the convenience, with the complexity of today's schedule, how busy we are, we're going to lean towards and gravitate towards instant gratification. We want it now. We want the girlfriend now. We want it tomorrow swipe left swipe right oh on tinder most people don't even have a bio most people don't even talk about who they are their interests their beliefs their habits it's literally four pictures in the most luscious and lavish backgrounds with bikini pictures uh topless for a lot of guys in the gym or maybe in this wonderless settings you don't know anything about that person there's no context how can there be content without the context but unfortunately that is the unfortunate reality that many of us, and myself included, that have fell prey to. And my experience has been exactly that. I've been so consumed by this false and this unhealthy mentality of the choice paradox, or I call it the grasshopper dilemma. So let me explain what that is. So the grasshopper dilemma is also known as a secretary dilemma. So in terms of for grasshoppers, and in terms of their world, the sacred duty and the necessity of giving offsprings, of course, in the female grasshopper. And female grasshoppers, during their mating seasons, it is their duty to hop around and emit mating noises to attract their potential spouses. And because mating is their one of the most important duties for these insects and for these animals, it is very imperative for them to find out the strongest genetically given grasshopper. So the question comes, or the dilemma comes where, when do they stop? They emit mating noises and they meet grasshopper A. But what if they hop for another 50 yards, another two feet? Maybe there's a better option. Maybe there's a better mating option. So for them, they never know when to stop because if they stop and settle too early, they've given up the chances to produce the strongest offspring that's going to increase their survivability in the wild. But if they settle too late, they may miss out on the mating season and they might die without fulfilling their sacred duty of producing offsprings. Similarly, secretary dilemma is when a CEO or hiring the best secretary who's going to fulfill all their needs, how do you know which secretary to hire for? Maybe the secretary that you're entering for had all the right answers, behaviorally, technicality, whatever that may be. But if you hire too early on, Maybe your next interviewee could have been the best secretary ever. So the dilemma comes once again. If you settle too early, you're potentially hindering your productivity as a CEO. If you settle too late, then you're going to have to work without a secretary. And I think that's what I fall into or what I call it as a girlfriend dilemma. What if I settle too early? What if I meet the girl of my dream? What if I meet the perfect girl on the next date, on the fourth day from now? But the answer is you never know. You never know because it is in a human lustful and inherent desire to always look for the best thing, to always look for the better things, the bigger thing, the faster things. And that's my exact experience Aiden where I'm just been bouncing from one superficial attractive quote unquote girlfriend to the next to just incessant hookup culture because I was just chasing after this high that just incessant high that I will never be fulfilled. I never felt fulfilled because I just wanted to bringing this hot girl to my friends to show off, to parties, to whatever other social they may be. I mean, we all have heard of the term trophy wives, right? What does that mean? It's a wife. They show off as trophies. That means your greatest a- attribution and the greatest characteristic and the strength of your wife is to be showcased as a trophy. That is what an absurd concept. But that is the unfortunate reality that we live in in this modern world in terms of dating
1: so i think that bridges well into the second piece being compatibility because i'm hearing your stories now about how superficial your dating career was and how you were looking for lust over anything else but you know we just went out to a great double date two weeks ago where you and your now current girlfriend seemed exceptionally compatible exceptionally happy so, clearly, that shows a significant transformation and evolution of your dating ideas and relationships. So, what does this second C of compatibility mean to you? And how has that shifted for you over the last couple of months?
0: So, we all know the classic timeless debate nature versus nurture. So, chemistry is nature, which is genetically given characteristic. And we and I define compatibility as nurture, which is through, you know, social construct, to working and through nurturing and through practice. So the few of the few things how I define compatibility as belows. It is the habits, the interests, beliefs, and personalities of a given person. It is the level of connection and the connectivity between the two people when they meet. Can two people connect beyond the surface physiological, the lustful, the superficial level. If they can, it talks about the level compatibility that's given. And it's also more long-term orientated in contrast to chemistry. It does not come quickly because it takes years of accumulation to become the person who you are, to build the type of personality that you have. It takes your family dynamics. It takes about the upbringings that you have. It takes about all the habits you've accumulated, all the things you've read, all the things you've learned and practiced. Therefore, because it does not come quickly, it also does not fade quickly. And it's precisely difficult to grow because it takes a long, long time to become the type of person that you've become and the type of beliefs that you have that are attached to the type of person you are. So it's about nature versus nurture against chemistry. And we talked about chemistry is like building up house on quicksand, it might be quick and sexy, but it's definitely not sustainable for compatibility. On the other side, it's like building a house on layers and layers of cemented floor, not always the sexiest, but it is the most durable and it can withstand time and tests and trials. And based on the level of compatibility, it will inevitably lead to an increase in chemistry.
1: Yeah, I think compatibility is probably the most important component between chemistry and compatibility, because it really is how well the two of you are going to get along. It's whether you're going to be friends or not, whether you're going to have things to talk about and really explore different subject matters and do things that you guys both enjoy together. There's no reason to be attracted to someone and then not enjoy your time together. It's really about The compatibility between having conversations, having a good time together. And this really comes down to a shared belief system or a shared set of interests, which really reminds me of a paper I wrote. Honestly, it was back in high school. And the idea was that music can actually predict compatibility with each other. So, this is clearly something I've been thinking about for a long time. I kind of didn't really remember that I had written this paper until we were doing some brainstorming for this episode, but I realized that this paper really represented a lot of the things I was thinking about in high school, both from a musical sense, a compatibility sense, and a romantic relationship sense. So I'm going to read the initial introduction that really summarizes all of the points that I discussed about and then outlined with numerous research studies. So hopefully this give some clarity on the necessity of compatibility, a shared belief system and how music plays a role in it. People choose to associate themselves with music that represents characteristics that they see in themselves or music that fulfills certain emotional or physiological needs. By immersing themselves in specific musical genres, people are essentially defining themselves through the musical preference and as time goes on, their musical preference becomes part of their personal identity. Because people's personal identity is shaped and influenced by certain genres of music, researchers have concluded that music affects personality, and therefore, judgments can be made on people's personality based largely on their taste in music. Similarly, because certain characteristics are represented by specific genres of music, people who listen to the same genres of music will associate themselves with similar characteristics and thereby will typically have strong compatibility with one another. So this is something that, in my dating experience, I've lived by and really used as kind of a filtration tool. Every time on my first date, there's the question of what kind of music do you listen to? Obviously, I'm not trying to judge the other person for the type of music they listen to, and there's nothing wrong with whatever type of music they want to. There's a saying, to each their own. If someone wants to listen to metal music and country music, So be it. That's great for them. But I know that our values probably aren't going to align. Our personalities probably aren't similar enough. So I found it very effective to use music to determine personality characteristics and figure out if compatibility is something real. Thanks
0: for sharing that, man. And I think although music is not part of the C's that we're discussing in this episode, I think music, as you explained, is a great filtration tool. But it's also directly and indirectly talks about the nuances about dating, right? Of course, romantic relationship is a big, big realm. And there are nuances within it. And of course, there's nothing wrong with listening to country music, death metal, heavy metal, whatever they may be, as you talked about. But the reality is this. If I enjoy indie music, if I enjoy hip-hop, if I enjoy EDM, trans, house, and we're in the same car for a few hours a day. We're going on road trips for a few hours a day or whatever. It's not realistic for us to combine our music taste. Our differences in our music preferences, they will collide with each other. And there's not a chance in this living world that I'll be able to sit through five hours of death metal. That's just not realistic, right? It is not about that person. It's just about the compatibility, which is what a second C is. And with that, I'd like to share a little story story about my current relationship and my wonderful becky shout out and how it came about because i talked about i went through i think an extensive and a great level of transformation both mentally internally and the evolution of my dating and my perception of what dating truly means and i met becky on hinge actually and as we talked about you know tinder is a poster child of social media dating, of course, a few better apps came out after that. And to me personally, Hinge is a little bit more wholesome and it's catered towards people who are actually looking for dates and relationships in the midst of very complex and busy world. And we met and we've been seeing each other since July. However, everything was great and our compatibility was off the roof since the get-go. But I wasn't most attracted to her physiological aspects of course, I found her attractive. That's why the first impression is great, and that's why we went to on the first date. Anyone who tells you that looks don't matter, they're lying. Without the looks, without that first gateway, you wouldn't even be on the first date with that person to begin with. You have to have a certain baseline, and that's what chemistry is. It is a baseline. And sometimes it is superficial baseline, and that's what Second C does, is to reinforce that, right? So of course, I found Becky to be attractive, but that wasn't her most shining characteristic of herself but it's her intelligence it's her beliefs it's her values it's her work ethics it's her everything else that's attached to her it's her internal characteristics that truly drove home for me and you know for a long time I was bouncing around I was seeing other girls when I was seeing Becky because we weren't exclusive we didn't establish exclusivity and I'm always very transparent with her and sometime around end of October I truly realized the more dates I go on, the more girls I sleep with, the more people I see, I realized my girlfriend dilemma or the secretary grasshopper dilemma, the choice paradox didn't go away. It's so prevalent, whether it was July, March, October. And I knew the dilemma is going to continue to live on because it is my perceived expectation. It is my lustful, never ending desire. Just two, I always want something better. I always are looking for the next thing. I'm always looking for a better thing. So the problem wasn't Becky. The problem wasn't any other girl that I went on a date with. The problem was me. It was my mental roadblock. It was my mental huddle that I had to overcome myself. And like I talked about, the first impression could change. The chemistry could increase. And in my case, it truly, truly did. And Becky got more and more attractive every time I hung out with her, the more I saw her, she got better looking. And I, when I look back on it now, I don't even remember what I, my perceived impression of her. I don't even know what she looked like in the beginning. Now, the image that I have of Becky in my mind is an image that I have for the accumulation of all these months of these priceless memories that we built up together because the compatibility was so strong, it was so compelling and so powerful that I just couldn't turn a blind eye on to it. And it forced me to come to awakening call that chemistry, a phase. It's not the most important thing. It is the baseline, but it's merely a baseline. After that, you have to build a house on something more concrete, on layers, on depth. It's width versus depth. And compatibility to me is a depth that I needed in my life. And Becky is a person who drove home for me and she's a person who helped to instill that recognition, the acknowledgement, and that realization in me. And I'm truly, truly grateful for what we have because of that.
1: That's awesome, man. Really, thanks for sharing. Um, And I'd like to echo that Hinge success story with my current relationship with Kate. Shout out if you're listening. Because funnily enough, Hinge actually recommended us as most compatible. You know, that once a day recommendation that you get of we think you two would really hit it off. And really shout out to Hinge for nailing this one on the head because as to quote Ben from a couple... Hours ago, we were legitimately like twins. It's almost bananas how much we have in common, which I'm super happy about. You know, it was almost peculiar when we sat down that first date at Love City Brewing of how much we had in common, both from shared interests of health and podcasts and really just healthy cooking, staying active, and even things as small and niche as biohacking and optimizing performance. Uh, we both have similar upbringings and similar family stories and really just a shared compatibility across the board we had just gone to a road trip down to charlottesville which was our first trip traveling together or even first time together for more than 24 hours so while i recognize that we are still in a bit of a honeymoon phase the first two months as they say it was five days without the smallest argument without any sort of conflict and just really enjoying our time together and enjoy our time by ourselves while together. So we're both, like we say, extroverted introverts, another way that we're similar. So for, say, Sunday morning, when we just finished the long weekend, we both spent it reading, her reading a fiction book on audio, myself finishing a book called The Impossible First. So it was really just, I guess, a five day illustration of this compatibility and how much that means to us. So, to echo your gratitude, I'm, you know, remarkably grateful for having a service like Hinge to be able to meet and connect with a person that I might not have met otherwise. And, remarkably happy with this current relationship and, more importantly, excited to see where things go.
0: Of course, and just to clarify, this does not incriminate us that we are seeing our girlfriends are not attractive. That is not what we're saying, Becky and Kate. I know you two are listening. We're just emphasizing that compatibility is more about depth and it should play a bigger pillar and more important role, whether that's your current relationship or your past relationship or your future
1: relationship. And just to say that, we are not being sponsored by Hinge. But Hinge, if you're listening and you want to sponsor us, just email us at discovermorepodcast at gmail.com. So, jokes aside, that brings us into the third C of comfortability. And that's really all about trust. So being comfortable with the other person and being able to trust them, the ability to trust the other person and really talk to them about anything and everything, the ability to be completely open and know that you're going to be supported and not judged. And most importantly, just the ability to display you know, your true self, your true authenticity. A point that Ben has made to me several times over the past couple months as we've been talking about relationships and just our dating lives in general is friend must come before boy or girl. So boyfriend, girlfriend, but friend is really the important part. It's someone that you love spending time with that you want to go see at the end of your stressful work week or that you want to spend your time with on the weekends. It's really that friend compatibility, that trust with one another that makes relationships so special. So as much as compatibility is that shared connection, comfortability is that trust and openness with one another.
0: Absolutely, man. And without the level of trust, without the totality of trust, you don't have the ability to be comfortable around that person. That's the reason why friendship matters. That's the reason why being friends matter. And being friends require compatibility. That's why compatibility, the our second C, and our third C of comfortability, are so similarly related and they both definitely share numerous overlapping characteristics. And because if you don't have the trust acting as a bridge connecting the two people, how can you be vulnerable around that person? How can you display vulnerability? How can you share your inner side? How can you let down of your fences? How can you let down of your guards to be close to that person? Because vulnerability leads to strength because vulnerability leads to growth. And because vulnerability leads to that connection, that deeper level of depth that we're talking about here, it requires trust and requires comfortability. And I've seen how Aiden interact with Kate during our double date a few weeks ago. And I've seen them, they look like they've been dating for a while, way longer than two months, way longer than the honeymoon phase they're currently in because they're authentically themselves. Aiden acts around Kate when he's acting around me. And we've known each other for close to two years now. And that shows that they trust each other with your vulnerable self, but also you're not afraid to display your full self, your highlights of yourselves, your wholesomely selves. And all of those require our third sea of comfortability.
1: Yeah, thanks for that, man. That comfortability is one of the biggest things that I've noticed about the relationship. Even when I went down to visit my brother, his, he's not much of a talker, but his I guess distilled interaction was you guys seem really comfortable with each other. So that really echoes what you said. And I really appreciate the kind words. So that brings us to our fourth C, which really reminds me of your experience, especially with the grasshopper analogy that you've been giving is commitment. So just the decision of buckling down and having a relationship, making this relationship work and giving your word that you're going to like give it your best to work through problems, communicate clearly, and create the most effective relationship as possible. So what does our fourth C commitment mean to you and how has that impacted your relationships?
0: Hmm. Yeah. So the fourth C for me personally, was the most difficult C to come up with for us to come up with together because like I previously mentioned, I am not used to being committed I'm not used to having this depth with another person. I'm not used to having this emotional connection with another person for longer than a few weeks. And like you talked about, it is a decision. It is an intentional and conscious decision to be committed. And to answer the question, you know, I asked myself a few of the, few, some of the questions that we wrote down. Does that person make you want to commit? What that means is, am I willing to, as cliches as that sounds, willing to give up a forest? because of a tree. You know, of course, it has limits with the analogy, but I think it speaks about a lot about what we're talking about here. Two, how has it impacted my relationship? But I think more importantly, how has it impacted my life? I think being in this committed relationship has made my life so much easier and enjoyable because I no longer have to be fatigued by the decision-making fatigue or the paradox of choice. I, don't, I no longer have to consider, oh, what should I address today for this date? Where should I go for this first date? How should I construct myself? How should I structure my words? How should I say what ought to be said? Because going on first dates and a lot of dates romantically are like theatrical performance. You're going to say things that you know the other person want to be heard. And that's how first interviews are, right? When you go on your first interview, your sole purpose in your agenda is to get onto the second interview and then to get hired with my previous dating history and pattern, I did everything and anything to say the best things, to create this persona about myself, to appease the other person, to get the second date, and then to get laid and whatever, right? It was very agenda-centric and it wasn't very disingenuous and it was very, very superficial. And the reason why we talk about decision-making fatigue and the paradox of choice is because unlike all the generations that came before us, we have the most access to dating and socialization. I know every generation we always talk about we're the best generation, or the newest generation, but truly in this sense, in our case, our generation has the most access. Before, the only access, the only avenue for people to find their significant other is through socialization. They have to go to a bar to meet people. They have to go to parks, movie theaters, you know, the mall to actually meet people. But now we have ubiquitous access. We could meet hundreds of people at the fingertip within a swipe. You can meet people and then within a week, get their phone numbers and you're on a date with an entirely stranger who comes with their entire stories and backgrounds. And their all baggage and everything in between all through your phone screen. And what that means is we have so many more options. And now we're fatigued because there's too many things to choose from, right? How many times when you're trying to order food from Domino's or when you go to a restaurant with someone, how much time do you spend on picking what's the right menu to eat? What is the right thing to eat? What is the right thing to order? How many times do we spend when we're picking a show to watch on Netflix? I personally spend 40 minutes on what to watch versus what I'm actually watching. And it's extremely fatiguing and it's mentally and physically draining. And that's exacerbated through the dating realm, I think. So, yeah, dating apps have made dating easier than ever, but also more complex because there's a lot more options and more dilemma. And the question, another question that I ask myself is, are you willing to settle for that person? But I think it is important to distinguish the difference between settling down for that person versus settling for that person. I'm not settling down for Becky, my current girlfriend. I didn't settle down. I didn't lower my standards. I didn't give up my desire, my wants, just to date. That's not the case. I settled for her because she is and was the best option for me. Therefore, I chose her over anyone else because she had the most to offer and she made me better than anyone else. She made me feel better about us and she made me want to better myself than anyone else. She gave me the most invaluable experiences that I didn't feel. And that's the reason why I settled for her. But yeah. Commitment has made my life a lot more enjoyable, made my life so much easier because I can now allocate and conserve my energy, my attention, both mentally, physically, and financially towards the one person that I truly want to spend those money on, those time on, and myself with. Because we have to realize in this day and age, every action, every interaction comes with opportunity cost. Every time Aiden and myself are sitting here recording for this episode, or brainstorming every Wednesday. Those are those take hours. That means I sacrificed my personal leisure time, my personal downtime. Aiden sacrificed his personal downtime, his opportunity cost. Maybe he could have hung out with Kate instead. I could have hung out with Becky instead. That means you have to find that one person that you're willing to sacrifice your opportunity cost because that is the best thing for you to do. And yeah, man, the relationship and the commitment is so, so important. To achieve something deep, something of worthy,
1: you have to be willing to make the decision to commit to it. Absolutely, man. And I really love that you stress the importance of it, but I think it's both the commitment of settling for, settling down with a specific person, but also the commitment to finding that special person. To quote, I think, Kate's older sister or one of her friends, but dating is like a part-time job. You have to make that commitment to go out, to go on those uncomfortable dates, to put on your best face when you might have had a long work week or when you might not feel like going and making small talk with a new person. I think we all know those same first conversations of... Where did you grow up? What do you do? What's your story? That always takes place. It gets exhausting to be honest, but really making that commitment to meeting a new person is worth all of the effort. And then I would also like to mention that we do acknowledge that both of us are in relationships that have just been under a year. So by no means are we experts in this field, but to quote one of my aunts, who's been in a happy, long lasting marriage for nearly two decades, every day is a choice every day is a decision and every day is a commitment so it's really that idea of asking yourself am i deciding to be with this person day in and day out so really making that commitment and deciding that you're going to be the best partner that you can be that you're going to put your own wants needs and desires aside sometimes in order to help do what's best for the partnership overall so i think there's an interesting juxtaposition between commitment in the choosing side and also commitment in the finding someone side. So we would encourage anybody, whether you're hesitant to dating because it's a lot of effort and a lot of potential energy or a lot of potential heartbreak. It's really just that commitment of getting out there and doing that thing and or the commitment of deciding to be with a specific person. Very well
0: said, Aiden. But just long story short, Depth will always trump with. Choose depth because depth is worth it. And anything that is worthy will take time and take commitment. So please choose commitment. And that leads us to our final and our fifth C, communication, which is the intention. Once the two people could check off all four Cs, then you truly need to work on the communications aspect. Because think about it. Reflect upon everyone's life that's listening. Misinformation, misunderstanding, assumptions and presumptions only happen when the two people do not communicate enough. And this communication transcends and goes so much beyond just romantic relationship. It goes and applies to all relationships in life. People argue because of misinformation, because of miscommunication. Why does every employer and why does everyone in the books, online, internet, wherever, emphasize always about the importance of communication. Because communication, it's all about the intention, but it's also the impact. And similar to five languages love, find how the other person likes to communicate. Then compare it with your mode of communication. Are you two compatible? Do you guys communicate the same way? Do you guys receive the same way? Do you guys interpret the communication the same way? and the relationship will fall apart in both of our experiences and in many examples and other experiences we have encountered the relationship will truly fall apart without the fifth and the final C of communications and with that being said uh, Aiden I know I've always been very intentional and of course the idea and the pillar of intentionality has been so deeply embedded in both of us in our lives and our, the starting of our this passion project and our podcast. But I know you and I, we talk about relationships a lot and we talk about intentionality a lot. And I know you and I, we talked about first dates and how to be more intentional, not just to excel with the process, but also to make the filtering process a little bit more easy for both people. So yeah, h- how do you think the intentionality piece has played into your life Because I remember prior to your first date with Kate, we talked about how to be more intentional about our conversations, about the questions and then the topics that we impose on the other. And so I would love for you to share a little bit more about your insight and your experience with the intentional piece.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I think for the longest time I was going on first dates and kind of just going through the routine of, you know, the basic questions, not really getting into anything deep or significant, but coming from our conversation Uh, About a year ago, you really made the point that we only have so much time out there. There is opportunity cost to every date that you go on, every new person that you meet with. You really want to get to know the true them almost as soon as possible. There's definitely that process of the give and take on exposing yourself more and more as the conversation develops. You don't want to lead a conversation with what's your biggest fear, obviously, but there's kind of a gentle give and take of. Getting to know the person more and more on their actual selves rather than the surface level. So that really transformed the way I went on dates because I actually wanted, or I actually tried to get to know the person, trying to ask more why questions about why they do the things that they do or what things are important to them rather than what Netflix shows they like to watch or how their college experience was. But really putting intention behind the upfront communication where you can actually get to know someone truly who they are on the first date. And one of the biggest takeaways that you mentioned was asking about dating intentions. And I even started doing this on dating apps while I was still regularly dating of what are you looking for? Because if there isn't alignment between what the person is looking for in dating, then it's not going to work out. If someone wants To get married in two years and someone wants to have a one night stand, there's clearly a mismatch. There's clearly a misalignment between their two dating intentions. So really having those upfront conversations really saves any game playing and saves arguments down the road. So that was a huge takeaway that I had while I was dating of just being intentional with my communication and asking the right and most important questions. And now bridging into my relationship with Kate... Communication has been one of our biggest pillars, uh, even on our second date, she mentioned, I've never been out with someone who communicates as well as you. And that's something that I hold as one of my biggest values, just trying to always set say the things that need to be said, and check in when necessary. I took this approach away from a podcast that I listened to with Tim Ferriss, and he talks about the idea of a relationship check in. So rather than having you know, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What can you do better? Instead of focusing on the negative, it's really taking a optimistic lens towards the relationship and trying to focus on the things to improve on. So he advises to reflect on the following three statements. What I think you're doing really well is blank. What I think I'm doing really well is blank. What I would like more of is so notice there's no you in this reflection. It's reflecting on your own personal responsibility in the relationship. It's not pointing fingers at the other person. It's taking ownership of your role in it, but still requesting what you need more of or what you think you're doing well. And I've tried that a few times in the past couple months with my girlfriend, and it works very well. It allows the things that need to be surfaced and talked through, Allows that to be done. But all in all, I've noticed that communication on the front end really saves so many problems, headaches, and just games of modern dating out of the back end. So we can't encourage people enough to just communicate at all levels, whether that's in dating, in relationships, or even with the people around you. Communication is really the most important thing.
0: So well said,
1: man. And with
0: those, I want to offer a few more things. And it's like the idea of invisible scripts that we briefly talked about in our last week's episode during our Discover More books. Everyone lives by and lives under so many invisible scripts. These are the scripts that are given to are invisible, to the eyes, right? And one of the few invisible scripts that are very prevalent in our modern dating is it's supposed to take time. It has to take time. It must take time. What, if you were to translate that, what that means is oh, it's going to take nine months to truly get to know each other. It's going to take three months of honeymoon stage to truly get to know each other. It's going to take nine months to be vulnerable to each other. But my question is, why? Because Becky and myself had this conversation before, and she's had numerous long-term relationships, and so did many other people. And they're subconsciously and unknowingly subscribed to the invisible script of Oh yeah, if you are having dated someone for more than a year, then you're not supposed to talk about the certain vulnerability, the certain experiences. You're not supposed to completely let go of your defensive mechanism, your guards, because why? It's supposed to take time. No, 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 I want to challenge that idea. If you're intentional enough, if you're truly instilling intentionality in your day-to-day conversation with your significant other, if you're truly intentional about every interaction Every conversation with your significant other, you can absolutely accelerate that process. Why are we doing this podcast? Because we want to accelerate the learning process. So, why do you want to be intentional about your communications? Because you want to accelerate that timeline. Of course, everyone has their own timeline. However, it is very important to know that yes, you want to respect their timeline, but you also want to be intentional because nothing is supposed to, nothing is must. These are all arbitrarily social frameworks that's bestowed upon us without our choices. That's why they're called invisible scripts. And it is our job to challenge those status quo. To challenge those false beliefs. Be truly intentional about your communication. Uh, I promise you you're going to save yourself time. Save yourself time, attention, energy, and you're going to save the other person's time. And that's the best way and that is the optimal way to move forward together collectively. And that is our final C. And to finally summarize all the five C's that Aiden and myself both synthesized within our past year's experience, here are the five C's. First C, chemistry, which is nature. It is the initial spark between the two people. It is the first impression. Second C, compatibility, nurture. It is the habits, the interests, the beliefs, and the personalities. The third C, comfortability, Trust, it is the ability to displace authenticity. 4C, commitment, it is a decision to commit and it is decision to be the best partner you can be. And the fifth C, communication, which is intention. It is going to be the bridge that's going to connect and tie all the C's together. With these five C's, we hope people can change the way they start to interact with one another to change our approach, to reframe their framework, to reframe their beliefs, and to challenge the status quo together. Because we believe that relationship is one of the most important aspects and the keys to have a healthy life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And it would really
1: appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.